the best case scenario is that young people don't want to leave this place. They want to stay here and work here. Scenario in where there are jobs to be offered for them to stay. And worst case, of course, <laughs> I don't want even to think about it. <laughs> it's been a rough hundred years or so for Bosnia and Herzegovina. After the global depression of the 1920s and 1930s came the Second World War. Then more than 40 years of single-party rule under a socialist government. Then the Bosnian War of the 1990s. The region is still struggling to get on its feet. But in one town in western Bosnia, a town called Livno, there are glimmers of hope, economic and environmental. This is a story about sheep and cheese and birds and people, especially people. Unlike so many others who have fled the region seeking opportunities abroad, these people have chosen to stay home and try to make life better for themselves and their environment. This is the Undark Podcast. I'm your host, Lacey Roberts. Dairy farmers on the plains of Livno in western Bosnia once produced some of the finest artisanal cheese in Europe, made from the milk of the region's fabled promenka sheep. But that all declined with the Bosnian War, the long and ugly conflict that started in 1992. Now, 26 years after the war ended, Livno's farmers are once again making cheese the traditional way, with their herds of sheep grazing on the wide-open plains. The return of the grazing sheep is in turn restoring the region's natural wetlands after a long period of neglect, due largely to the war. And the restored wetlands are attracting migratory birds back to the plains. And that's bringing tourists and their cash to the region. Reporter Matthew Algio went to Livno and prepared this report. The Dinaric Alps run almost all the way down the Balkan Peninsula. These mountain ranges stretch from the top of Italy all the way down to Albania. Between these ranges are long, narrow valleys. Livno is a small city that sits in one of these valleys. In the local language, the valley is known as Levanska Poya, literally, leave no field. Next to what you can see, it's Dinara mountain. All, all this is Dinara. This peak is Kameshnica. The other one is Troglov. It's but a hazy early autumn afternoon, and Mado Gadovac points out the mountains that surround the Poya. We're on the front porch of his house, just outside Livno. The sun sets behind the mountains on the other side of the valley. The sky is a bright red-orange. Levanska Poya is only about 5 to 10 kilometers wide, but it's more than 60 kilometers long. It doesn't look that big from Mato's porch, but the city of Philadelphia could fit in this valley. It reminds me of a smaller-scale version of America's Mountain West, a Balkan-sized Montana. Mato has lived on the Poya most of his life. He's worked with the World Wildlife Fund and the German NGO EuroNature on many environmental projects here. You have from sand dunes, uh, uh, peatland from which looks like you are in Finland, uh, you have the birch forest, you have the, the meadows, you have 50 different types of the meadows depending on the, how elevated it is, it is from the seasonal flooding. 
In geologic terms, Levantskapoya is a karst field. The land is made of limestone, which is a soft, porous rock. There aren't any surface water outflows from the valley, so snowmelt and rain flood the Poya every spring, creating a massive, temporary lake. Then the water slowly drains down through the limestone. It gets carried away to Croatia through a network of underground rivers and lakes. Mato says the Poya is like a giant block of ice that the water can eat away at, constantly creating new channels underground. So the water, which is uh, rain, which is rich in CO2, is making uh, uh, interaction chemical with the calcium inside of the of the limestone and beginning to what's the word? Otapa. Dissolve it. So the the limestone is practically dissolved in rainwater, and the water is rain or or river are slowly through the thousands and thousands of, of years making small holes, then making a little bigger holes, so then these holes are joining together, then you get a cave and, and so on and so on. There are holes in the ground all over the Poya. Geologists call them estavelas. They act as springs or sinkholes, depending on the season and the water level in the valley or underneath it. When the Poya's temporary lake drains away each summer, what's left behind are marshy wetlands, perfect for birds, and grassy fields, perfect for livestock grazing. Fish and flora thrive here, too, as well as many wild animals, including wolves and wild horses. It's an incredibly diverse ecosystem, right here in Mato's front yard. Several bird species breed on the Poya, including the corncrake, the lesser-spotted eagle, and the great bittern. As the largest wetland in Bosnia, Levanska Poya is an important stop for birds migrating along the Adriatic Flyway between northern Europe and Africa. Well, it's large pit stops for all these poor birds on the on the flyway. It's a it's a nice pit stop where they can, I mean, in most of the cases, they will they know that they will not be disturbed in resting and feeding and. Even maybe somebody will stay to on the on the spring migration to to stay here. Why not? I mean, hundred years ago we had uh, cranes here. Maybe we will have uh, a mating here. Maybe we will have again. But the last few decades have been hard on the Poya. Livno's only about thirty kilometers, some twenty miles from the Croatian border, and in the 1990s it was on the front lines of the Bosnian War. Before the war started in 1992, Livno's population was about 40,000. By one estimate, it's now about half that number. Many family farms were abandoned during the war. With fewer farmers, there were fewer sheep. And without the grazing sheep, the Poya began to become overgrown with bushes and trees, slowly strangling one of Europe's most diverse ecosystems. Ashley Lyons is a conservation scientist with the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. In lots of instances where you lose your domestic herbivores from grazing, so that might be cattle, it might be sheep, it might be ponies, what you end up with is the grass um, becoming dominant in the habitat. So you lose those wildflowers that give that diversity to semi-natural grasslands. And you start to get um, shrub encroachers and then eventually 
trees and eventually that what once was a semi-natural grassland becomes a woodland so it becomes a completely different habitat so the role of domestic grazers in this instance is to suspend those successional processes to try and prevent that grassland from becoming a woodland it's a late summer day on the poya the sky is perfectly blue and Jozo Bakovic is trying to get his 200 sheep out of the sun and into the shade of some oak trees. Yozo is a short, bald man with Popeye arms. These are Pramenka sheep. They're a hardy breed that can grow thick wool, good for Bosnia's rugged winters. The males can weigh up to 150 pounds, hence Yozo's Popeye arms, since he has to pick them up occasionally. Many of these sheep are marked with a bright green dot painted on their backsides. That indicates the sheep is producing milk. And this milk, as well as milk from his five cows, is what Jozo Bakovic uses to make cheese. With help from my interpreter, Anna Maria Pervin, he tells me it's something his family has been doing for generations. Yozo tells me he learned to make cheese from his grandmother and his father, as well as uncles and cousins who were famous cheesemakers in Livno. Traditional Livno cheese is made from a combination of unpasteurized sheep and cow's milk, 70% sheep, 30% cow. After the Second World War, business was good for Livno's cheesemakers. Livno was then located in socialist Yugoslavia, and the domestic market was growing. Yugoslavia's population was more than 23 million by 1991. Fancy restaurants on the Croatian coast bought a lot of Livno cheese. But after the Bosnian War, the domestic market shrank. Before the war, some 30,000 sheep and 15,000 cows grazed the Poya. By 2006, those numbers had dropped to 8,000 and 4,000. With so few sheep and cows and a shrinking population, the tradition of making cheese was nearly dead. Then, about 15 years ago, Jozo Bakovic decided to do something to revive traditional cheesemaking in Livno. He also wanted to help keep the Poya's prime grazeland from turning into a forest, so he founded a co-op for cheesemakers. He named it Sinsar, after one of the mountains that towers over the valley. Yozo says the cheesemakers needed to band together to do three things, promote their product, get funding for modern equipment, and even more importantly, get approval to sell their cheese abroad, especially in the EU. Yozo makes his cheese inside a small cottage on his farm. There are four rooms. Each is as spotless as an operating room. A lot of the equipment was purchased with help from the Czech Republic's development agency. Jozo shows me a big stainless steel vat called a lactofreeze. It's where the raw milk is refrigerated until it's ready to be curdled. Jozo explains how it works. It swirls milk and it cools, cools it down. The Sinsar co-op now includes at least 10 small dairy farms. With more help from the Czech government, the co-op recently opened a shop in the center of Livno where the farmers can sell their cheese. And it matures here. And then it comes here to be washed. After many years of navigating Bosnia's complicated bureaucracy, the Sinsar co-op recently achieved a major milestone. Their cheese received a Protected Designation of Origin, or PDO. That means only cheese made from the milk of sheep and cows from Levanska Poya can be labeled Leave No Cheese. 
The co-op is still waiting for final approval to sell their cheese in the EU, but Yozo says he's confident that will happen eventually. Meanwhile, the co-op's sheep and cows have helped preserve the Poya's fragile ecosystem. The animals eat the vegetation that might otherwise overrun the Poya, and that keeps the land open, preserving fields and wetlands. And that's good for the Poya's avian population. Coming. A few miles north of Yozo's pasture, I'm climbing a bird-watching stand. With me are Goran and Biljana Topic. They're a husband and wife team of bird watchers who work for Bosnia's ornithological society, Nasha Petitze, literally our birds. Nasha Petitze built this stand. In the spring, it overlooks the Poya's massive temporary lake. But on this June day, the lake has all but disappeared underground. There's only a small flock of heron lollygagging in a pond. Biljana points out a hole in the ground, an estavella. And because the view is really nice, and even now uh, you can see uh, this water and um, this, uh, let's say, stone thing is a stavella. But you can see a small uh, water, like small brook water, that is coming to it and just disappearing. It is not filling the, the hole. Water is disappearing, so it is sinking. And now it, uh, this acts as a sinkhole. But uh, at the other part of the year, it is like it acts like a spring. With Biljana translating, Gorin rattles off some statistics. Of the 350 bird species reported in Bosnia and Herzegovina, he tells me, 265, 75%, have been spotted in Levanska Poja. Uh, during the um, autumn migration, there are, let's say, uh, 60 thousand to eighty thousand individuals of, of various bird species uh, in the pole. You can you can see it on some days. And the spring migration is even more um, massive and uh, you can see more than one hundred thousand uh, bird individuals. What makes the Poya so attractive to so many birds is its remarkable variety of habitats, all in a relatively small area. Uh, there is a huge uh, water uh, surface, Bushko Lake, at the south. Then uh, there are some big, uh, well-preserved marshland or swamp. Then a huge uh, grasslands, but also uh, big uh, forest areas. Do you want me to follow you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, yes. Okay. After climbing down from the bird stand, Gorin and Biljana take me on a tour of the Poya. There's always plenty for bird watchers to see here. We stop at a gravel pit so they can show me a colony of bee eaters. These birds have dug holes into the side of the pit to build their nests. You can see them. They're really colorful. They are like uh, tropical birds. They have yellow and red and blue. And, and this bird is, uh, is um, kind of rare in the rest of Europe. 
The bee eaters are stunning, but Corin and Biljana tell me they're unpopular. That's because many Bosnians are amateur beekeepers who sell honey to make a little extra money. Naturally, they're suspicious of a bird called the bee eater. And while the birds do eat honeybees, they also eat wasps and other insects. But Biljana still wishes the bird had a better name. It is really a, a big bird with a, it's colorful, nice, interesting, charismatic bird. Uh, and I think that it is shame for such a nice bird to have that uh, evil name. Uh, yeah, maybe something like a rainbow bird or something like that. In late August, I met up with Gorin and Biljana again. The autumn bird migration is just getting started, but already there is exciting news. A northern bald ibis with a tracking device attached to its back has just been detected nearby, the first recorded appearance of this species in the Poya. The bird's name is Clover, and Gorin and Biljana are hoping to be the first to actually see him. And uh, we hope that we will uh, find it uh, today. And uh, one hour ago, we had a GPS uh, signal from right here. No, here for, was two hours ago. And one hour ago was like very close to here. But now the latest one is uh, from somewhere in the middle of the pole. And it seems that the bird is moving, flying, and uh, uh, towards Croatia or Italy. And uh, which is good. Uh, we would like to see it, but it's better for the bird and for the science and for everybody except two of us. <laughs> and that bird uh, will join uh, the flock and uh, uh, the bird, it will be safe. Clover was just passing through. By the next day, he had flown across the border to Croatia. As Gorin is quick to point out, though, the Poya's bird count has now officially increased to 267. It's hard to find data to confirm that birds are returning to the Poya, mainly because accurate bird counts were impossible until recent years, not only because of the war, but also because of a lack of ornithologists. Gorin says there are several species that were spotted on the Poya before the war that have still not been spotted since. But with the increase in traditional cheese making and livestock grazing in recent years, there are hopes that the numbers will trend in the right direction. Bird watchers are an obsessive breed, and before the global pandemic, they'd started discovering Levanska Poya's avian riches. Visitors from across Europe, especially the UK, were coming to the Poya in small but growing numbers, eager to add to their life lists. And local entrepreneurs were eager to capitalize. The Sturba is a lazy, shallow river that meanders across the Poya before disappearing underground. It's perfect for canoeing. Maria and Ante Perkovich are giving me a tour of the Poya in one of their canoes. They own a company that offers guided canoe trips and birdwatching tours on the Poya. We started with four canoes. Yeah, we started with only four canoes and we had like one cheap binocular. (laughs) But now we have uh, a lot of equipment. We are always trying to to make it better. Maria and Ante named their company Stir.ba. That's a play on the river Sturba's name and Bosnia's internet domain extension, .ba. 
They started the company in the spring of 2020. Their timing was unfortunate. We didn't start at the right time because everything started at the very beginning of, uh, of this pandemic. Uh, but we are hoping that in the future, uh, when uh, without the restrictions and without these problems on the borders, that uh, we will have more guests for bird watching. Tourism in Bosnia is still in its infancy. In 2019, the last full year before COVID, Bosnia welcomed fewer than 2 million tourists. Neighboring Croatia welcomed more than 19 million. The upside of that is the potential for growth here is huge, especially, Maria says, from bird watching. Uh, here, for example, uh, we have a lot of species that are really like regular here. You can see them often that can't be seen in England, for example. So that's what attracts people here. Livno is located less than a 90-minute drive from the Croatian coast, so it's in a good position to capitalize on tourism. But the region still faces many challenges. Bosnia's official unemployment rate is between 15 and 20 percent, and the country still lacks infrastructure. Managing growth is another issue. And, as Mado Gadovac pointed out to me on his front porch, there's still not even a comprehensive plan for protecting Levanska Poja. All that is part of water management. You cannot do water management if you don't know what is what you are managing with. And to know how you will manage it, you need to know where is that water. Because most of the water which falls down here in this area is underground, not in the river, not in the lakes. It's mostly underground. Mato says there's not even a decent map that shows where the underground water flows. Only one complete research was done by tracers, so either by by dyes or radioactive isotopes. So you put a dye in the water and then in the, in the sinkhole. Right. You put the dye in the sinkhole and you go on the other side of the mountain and check all the springs. Where does it go out? It only one done in 1961, 62, or or before. Since then, no Why we are not concerned or care to know how much water and where is that water for the future, I'm not sure. To celebrate Livno City Day, every September 28th at 7 o'clock in the morning, the local high school marching band marches through the city. But if current trends are any indication, many of the kids in this marching band will leave Livno soon after they graduate. This is the most pressing issue because cheesemaking and birdwatching won't save Levanska Poya if the people keep leaving. Even cheesemaker Jozo Bakovic, who has dedicated so much of his life to revitalizing the Poya, was unable to convince his own children to stay. And young people are going to Germany. My two sons went to Germany. We will start speaking German. All of us. There will be no more Croatian. But there is hope. The people who call Leave No Home, the people who choose to stay, are determined to find ways to make it possible for others to stay as well. Maria Perkovic told me one of the reasons she and Ante founded Stir.ba in the first place was so they could stay on the Poya. Like maybe 
six years ago, <laughs> uh, we were planning to leave for Germany or somewhere because uh, we didn't have a stable job, let's say. So that was one of the possibilities. And then we stayed here. We started with this. So now that's off the list. We're not planning it anymore. Uh, but now we are trying to show people that there are possibilities here, that you can live here, that you can make some money here, that uh, you can, I don't know, take advantage of the nature here to, to develop something new, to make a progress, to show the world that we have so many great things. Hey, Matt, thanks so much for your reporting. You're welcome, Lacey. So tell me, what drew you to look at the Livno region? Well, uh, I've been in Sarajevo for about three years now, and uh, I had a friend about a year ago went to Livno and went bird watching there and told me about it. And I hadn't really heard anything about the bird watching there, and I thought that was interesting. And then I started looking at the story more and more and kind of, you know, peeling back the layers and then finding all these all these connections, you know, between the bird watching and the, and the poya and the cheese and the sheep and the people and tourism and depopulation. It was one of those stories that had a, a lot of other stories attached to it. And I thought that was really interesting. I also was interested because, you know, most of the stories that come out of Bosnia um, tend, to, tend to be about the war um, and, and about uh, the, you know, Srebrenica and the genocide and the ethnic conflict here, which of course is a is an important story, but I thought this was kind of cool. It was a different story. It was kind of a you know the war is a little uh, is a little piece of it, of course, because of the the damage that the war did to the Poya. But really, I thought this was a story about the people in Livno who are who are really trying to make a difference there and uh, and really improve the quality of life in that part of the country. And I, I thought that was a story that was really worth telling. It really is. And, you know, the story that you tell is just such a fascinating example of the way that the land is shaped by people and by agriculture. Um, could you just tell me a little bit more about the history of the region and, you know, how long have people there been grazing sheep? Yeah, it's it's really kind of interesting that cheese making and shepherding, the, the promenka sheep, uh, that, that's been going on really for centuries in, in this part of the world, in this part of the Balkans. But it really wasn't uh, until the late 19th century that cheesemaking in, in Livno was formalized. And that was because in 1878, all the world powers got together and basically decided who was going to rule what parts of the world. And Austro-Hungary um, was given uh, charge, so to speak, over Bosnia. The Austro-Hungarians came in, and they wanted to develop Bosnia and Livno in particular. And so they sent a guy uh, to Livno, and uh, he went to Livno in 1900. And he brought with him a method of making cheese. It was similar to Gruyere, Roquefort. Um, but he used the, the milk from these sheep, the Permenka sheep, to make a, a unique cheese in Livno. And he ended up staying uh, almost uh, uh, 25 years in Livno, working at the agricultural school there. And he became kind of a local hero. He still, you know, fondly remembered. So it's interesting. It's really the result of imperialism that the, the cheese-making industry uh, was 
institutionalized, I guess you could say, in Leave No. And, and that's, what, that's what really you know, made all this possible. So it's, a, it's kind of a very interesting connection to the past. And I have to ask, how was the cheese? <laughs> I am not a cheese expert uh, by any means. Uh, it's a very sharp. It actually reminds me a little of cheddar cheese. Um, but uh, it's, it's, um, it, it's very uh, flavorful. I mean, you really taste it on the back of your tongue. It has tiny little holes all over it. And uh, Yozo was very keen for me to see that, to make sure real leave-no cheese will always have these tiny little holes that come through the process of making it that, um, that are kind of a, a little trademark of leave-no cheese. So cool. In your piece, you talk about how the Poya has been really understudied. There isn't even a map of the underground water flows, which are so important to the ecosystem there. What do you attribute that to? And is there hope that there will be more research done? Well, you know, of course, um, you know, in the 20th century, the uh, Bosnia suffered through the two world wars and then, and then their own war. And then in the intervening years between World War II and uh, the Balkan Wars of the 90s, there was a socialist government uh, in place, largely um, led by uh, Joseph Tito. And the government was more concerned with economic policy and economic development and much less concerned about environmental policy and environmental development. So that's the main reason that the Poya really wasn't studied for almost a you know, 50 years, basically, uh, there were there were no systematic studies done in the Poya. And um, then, to make things a little worse, the uh, Dayton Accord of 1995, which ended the Bosnian War, set up a very complicated government structure in Bosnia. In fact, some people say it's the most complicated governmental system uh, in the world. Uh, the, the country's divided into two entities and a district, and one of the entities has cantons, and then there are municipalities, and so there are all these different levels of government, and each one has its own bureaucracy and has its own departments and that sort of thing. So when you try to make an environmental policy, you really have to get the approval of several departments of the environment. And that can be very difficult. Corruption is another problem. There's a, a lot of corruption in Bosnia. The um, Transparency International ranks it uh, 110th out of 180 countries and estimates 20% of public service users paid a bribe in the previous 12 months in Bosnia. So that could be a problem, too, for in implementing uh, environmental policies. And, and, and also, uh, you know, I think Trying to integrate into the European Union will be a big step for Bosnia. If they can get into the European Union, uh, that will make it easier to, to, to get funding for environmental studies and environmental programs, and it, it will also streamline the bureaucratic process in Bosnia. So I think that's kind of the light at the end of the tunnel for this story. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for taking us to the Poya and teaching us about this place that so few of us have probably heard about. Such interesting story. Thank you so much. It, it, it was my pleasure. It was a lot of fun. The people I met there are just so nice, and they are trying hard uh, to make that a better place. Matthew Algio is a freelance reporter based in Sarajevo. Our theme music was produced by the Undark team with additional music in today's episode from Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Lacey Roberts. See you next time.